I am so excited to be with you this morning. This is not usually the lane that I run in, so this is a little bit different. If this is your first time at J First Assembly, my name is Charity Epperson. I'm not the pastor of this church. Praise the Lord. I don't. <laughs> I love you guys so much, but I don't want that responsibility. So I uh, usually will sing with the worship team instead. So I got to spend some time with God this morning worshiping, and it was just wonderful. And they did a fantastic job. Can you thank them one more time? Before I get started, I want to explain what's in your seat. They are bookmarks, but they are not just bookmarks. They're actually printed on wildflower seed paper. Yeah. Hmm. So you can use it as a bookmark if you want to, which is probably what I will do. Um, but you can bury them. The, the men are probably super jealous of this gift. Um, actually, they'll probably leave them behind. So if you want multiples, just when the service is over, go pick them all up if you want. Um, but it says that you soak it in water overnight, and then you bury it in like a thin layer of soil and um, just keep it evenly moist until seedlings sprout, whatever that means. Because what you're about to find out is that I don't know anything about plants, all right? That's what we're going to talk about right in this moment. When God started talking to me about the seed season, I was like, but I, I have no green in my thumb, like none, zero, okay? It's like nothing. So when it was seed season and growing and flowers and like, I was super confused. Like, Lord, what are you doing? Last week, uh, not last week, last year was the first time I got to preach and he was talking to me about harmony I was like, yeah, I can do that. That's music. That's cool. That's stuff that I understand, right? Seeds? No. So there, there's actually one person in the room that's probably a little bit worse than I am, and that's my mom. She's sitting on the front row. Wave at him. <laughs> I told her that I was going to throw her under the bus <laughs> this morning. We, we just don't have it. What's funny is her mom, my grandma's name was Rhea, she was fantastic, by her front door was this beautiful ivy. There was mer crepe myrtles. I mean, beautiful red bud tree. Just beautiful stuff. She was amazing. And then I think it was very painful for her if she went out of town to ask mom and I to, <laughs> to water her plants. <laughs> they were inside. They were outside. No joke. Last week, I called my mom just to chat. It was one day. <laughs> I said, this, you know, my friend Jamie, she just sold our house a week ago, and she gave me this cute little plant, and I watered it. And I went and took it out, and the, that thing is dying already. What did I do? And she said, I might have watered it too while you were gone. I'm like, we both just killed the plant. <laughs> this is in my I had literally already put this in my sermon, and then it just happened. Just happened last week. That gift skipped two generations, right? You know, most times it skips one. With that being said, when God started speaking to me about the seed season, I had to do some research. I had to research the process of, you know, a growing seed. We learned about it in grade school, but let's be realistic, that was a long time ago for me, so I had forgotten. So I went to YouTube, like all of us do, right? Who goes to YouTube to learn something? If you need to fix something, yep, YouTube. The first video to pop up was this cute little cartoon boy, and he had a little flower pot that had eyes and was talking to him, which I thought was super weird. But I just, I just kept watching. I was enveloped in this. And then along comes this little seed. He's hopping. He has legs and arms and eyes, and he's talking too. And he jumps into the hole. I, I just kept watching. But basically, 
Basically, it explained that a seed contains three things. It, and it contains a small plant embryo. It contains its own food, which I think is super cool. I wish I had my own food. And number three, it contains an outer shell. It's called a seed coat, and it's there to protect it. When you place it in the ground, it absorbs water from the ground, and it starts the germination process. The first thing to emerge is a root. After absorbing enough water, the seed coat splits open and the root grows downward. Next, the root absorbs more water and food. It allows the seed to grow a shoot. So we have a root and we have a shoot. The shoot grows upward toward the sunlight. Once the shoot breaks through the surface, it grows leaves and the seed coat and the seed fall off and it becomes part of the soil. It isn't needed anymore because the leaves of the, of the plant will use photosynthesis. That is the seed germination process. So I had to learn that before I could understand what God was telling me about seed season. And I stress the word season because that represents a period of time. And when I think about seed season, I think about periods of time, and, I'm, and that's plural because we have multiple of them, where we feel stuck. Anybody felt stuck at some point in your life? Raise your hand. This is going to be interactive today, so just get ready. Okay, if you've felt stuck multiple times, throw the other arm up. Okay, all right, cool. We have those, right? I was feeling stuck. I wasn't seeing opportunities come forth that I thought God had promised. I didn't think things were happening fast enough. And progress felt very, very slow. And I was just stuck. So the thing is, when you get on the other side of the seed season. That's what I want to talk about mostly this morning. When you get on the other side of a seed season, you see these three things. A seed season brings burial, a seed season brings growth, and a seed season brings new life. Would you bow your head with me this morning? Let's pray. God, I just thank you for this opportunity for us all to be together. Thank you for our JFA family. Thank you for our visitors. Thank you for all the moms in the room. Lord, I know this word isn't just for them. It is for everyone, but I do pray that it would just touch a mother's heart, Lord, that is looking for you or that needs you this morning. We thank you for all your blessings and your faithfulness in your precious holy name. Amen. If you would like to turn in your Bible, we're going to John chapter 12. John chapter 12, verse 23 through 26. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him." So let's talk about burial. A seed season brings burial. Through this parable in John chapter 12, Jesus is teaching a group of Greeks that his death will reap a great harvest. He had to die so that others could live. His death would make it possible for others to experience life. He would achieve victory over the grave by going to the grave himself and then vanquishing its hold through his resurrection. What was he saying? What was he saying? He was saying his hour had come to be buried. In previous scriptures, he, Jesus would say, my hour has not yet come. My hour has not yet come. You know, his mother Mary came to him and, 
you know, they need wine, that they ran out of wine. And he said, why are you asking me this? My hour has not yet come. But in this scripture, it starts out, my hour has come. It was time. Like we talked about with the physical seed, it has the plant embryo, it has its own food, and its protective covering. But the thing is, until it gets buried, until it gets buried, it can't do what it was made to do, right? Until it gets buried, it can't achieve its purpose. That seed can lay on the kitchen counter. It can lay in your garage, on your workbench. It can lay on the cement outside. But until it gets buried, it can't achieve its purpose. It will stay in the seed state. Jesus, even though he was clothed in a human body, he was all powerful. He had it all going right on. You know, he was all that in a bag of chips. Right, everybody? He had to allow himself, though, to be buried or an eternal harvest harvest could not happen. He had it all, right? He could have done it all. But until he allowed himself to be buried, an eternal harvest could not happen. His purpose could not be achieved. Every one of us in this room, either currently or in our past, we have probably thought, I can do it on my own, right? I got this. I don't need anybody. I don't need the Lord. I've tried that. It didn't work. I've got this. I've got the degree. I've got the resources. I've got the talent. I've got. But the problem is we are just the seed, right? Ooh, you're quiet. We are just the seed, right? (laughs) Our text said whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. It didn't say we need to hate our life. It says hate our life in this world. Big difference. It means we don't focus on ourselves and our situations, but we pursue Jesus with every fiber of our being. It means we don't make our life goal to be safe and secure and comfortable and surrounded only by pleasant things. We instead take the path that that uh, we choose to do things that look foolish to this world. We deny ourselves things. We take risks. We embrace the path of suffering for the sake of love, just like Jesus did. He allowed himself to be buried. He allowed himself to be buried. I, when uh, I was talking to Austin about this, he, he helped me with this. He said, buried in what? What does that mean, Charity? Come on. I need to know what's going on. And so I said, burial equals surrender. Burial equals surrender. If you don't remember anything else this morning, burial equals surrender. Surrender to what? And the answer to that is anything he asks. Anything he asks of us. Anything he says. That burning desire that's deep inside that you've been pushing down, surrender to that. Right? Anything that he asks. So just like Jesus was willing to be buried, we need to be willing to be buried as well. Surrender might start by purposely burying some seeds. Purposely. What are some seeds that we might have to bury? There's seeds of sin. When our flesh says one thing and we have to say, nope, I know that's not right. God said to do this. Or no, God has called me as a Christian to a higher standard. I'm going to rise above that desire and I'm going to obey the Lord. Seeds of sin. Um, Another seed would be seeds of direction. When Someone's over here, and it's all, they got this flashy thing, and they're like, come on, come do this over here. It'd be so much fun, and I really think you'd be really good at it. This, this is a, an awesome path for you. And you say, nope, God told me to stay faithful and not get distracted and stick this out, right? Seeds of direction. 
seeds of disappointment or hurt. When our flesh is having a hard time letting go of what someone has done to us or said to us, and we say, nope, I want to get better. I don't want to be bitter. It's time. It's time. In our seed season, we surrender and we bury our seeds, whatever that may be, and trust God to begin watering and feeding it and stay patient to allow him to do the work and the promises that he can do. So number one, a seed season brings burial. Secondly, it brings growth. It brings growth. We discussed that when you place the seed in the ground, it absorbs the water. It starts the germination process. And from that, the first thing to grow is, do you remember? The root. And the root grows downward. The root grows downward. Now, when I was thinking about roots, I thought about two things. The first thing that came to mind is that roots are going to take time. Roots are going to take time. A good, dependable, and stable root system is going to take some time to grow and take hold, right? Is anyone else in here a naturally impatient person? Oh, good, I'm not alone. <laughs> Yay, and if you didn't raise your hand, you're probably lying, and you need to pray at the end of the, of the sermon, right? Okay, so like this little lady on the screen behind me, let's see if this will work. Yep. And her face. Can we watch it one more time? Can you play it one more time? <laughs> she doesn't cry. She doesn't gripe. She's just like, Psh, nope. <laughs> okay. I, yep. I can watch that over and over and over again. That, that floated around a long time ago, but I remembered that. That's how we feel sometimes. <laughs> we're like, the, you know, this what God has for us. We're just trying. We're like, oh, I just can't wait. You know, we're so impatient. Her face says it all. Something we have to grab a hold of today is that even though you've stepped out in faith and you've buried the seed, we might not see the evidence of the plant quickly. I'm going to repeat that. Even though we have done what he said, we've planted the seed, we might not see the evidence of the plant quickly. The work is being done underground. The roots are taking hold. The shoot is making its way to the surface, but we can't see it yet, right? The second thing that came to mind was the sequoia redwood trees in California. The largest tree on earth is actually located there. It's called the General Sherman. It's 275 feet tall, probably more by now, 25 feet in diameter. Okay, let's think about this. One, two, three. That's a lot of feet wide, right? Diameter is around. Okay, 25 feet around. Trees that huge have to have deep root systems, right? Wrong, actually. <laughs> Their root systems are shallow, I don't know if you knew that. Their root systems are actually relatively shallow. They're only about 6 to 12 feet. But these trees, they withstand strong winds, earthquakes, fires, storms, prolonged flooding. How in the world do they do that if they have shallow roots? These trees grow close together. They depend on each other. We have a tree here. We have a tree here. We have a tree here. And their roots are intertwining. They share nutrients. And get this, only redwoods have the strength and ability to support other redwoods. Do you hear that? 
Only redwoods have the strength to support other redwoods. A tiny little other tree isn't going to help that big giant redwood when the winds start coming, right? What does that mean for us? Our roots are going to take time, yes. But we have to be building relationships and intertwining our roots with other fellow believers if we're going to make it through our seed season, right? Only Christ followers have the strength and ability to support other Christ followers. I can't call my family that is an unbeliever, right, and start trying to get some help when I'm going through a seed season. That's not who I need to talk to. We love them, and we're going to have relationships with them. But when I'm wavering, when the wind's coming, or the fire is coming, you know, who do I need to be linking arms with? I need to be calling my other Christ followers, the other believers. I heard a very intelligent young man say in a sermon several weeks ago, he's not in the room because he's running sound for our online service, but Caleb Perkins, he said, don't discredit the season you're in just because you don't like it. Don't discredit the season you're in just because you don't like it. Being patient in the season that God has placed you in is probably one of the hardest things about walking with Christ. And allowing others to join arms and walk with you is probably even harder. Asking for help or talking to them is probably even harder. But when you have not submitted your life to Christ, you are in control of your seasons. You do as you please. You go where you want to go. But when things crash... And believe me, they're going to crash. They crash for all of us, whether we believe or not. It's going to be dark, and it's going to be harder. When you choose Christ, when you choose Christ and you let go of the reins, you allow him to guide your seasons, and you allow him to guide your steps, which is actually super terrifying. Does anybody agree with me this morning <laughs> when we let him you know, guide us? That's the gig. That's what we choose we die to ourselves. we take up our cross, we follow him, and even through the seasons we don't like, like Caleb said. But the most exciting part is that following him makes us a part of a family. And family sticks together. Family sticks together. The seasons we don't like, the seed seasons, are some of the most powerful, but some of the most, or like the least enjoyable, because they feel so long. Growth takes time, roots take time, but with like-minded fellow believers that have walked the hard roads before us and they made it, it's a little bit more manageable. So number one, seed season brings burial. Number two, a seed season brings growth. And lastly, let's talk about the new life. Seed season brings new life. We mentioned that out of the shoot grows the leaves and the flowers, and the seed coat and the seed itself, they fall off, become part of the soil. The seed isn't needed anymore because the leaves of the new plant will use photosynthesis. Let's read John 12, verses 23 and 24 again. John 12, verse 23 and 24. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. It bears much fruit. Here we go. We finally made it to the pretty part of the plant, the part that never, I never get to see because I, I can't grow anything and then I kill them, right? What, what makes me think, I was, when I was thinking about this, you know the men that were like super godly and they walked by and like people got healed, you know? 
like they're just their shadow. My shadow just like kills the, the plants. <laughs> that's like that's what I saw myself as. Okay. So, but we finally, we made it to the new life, the fruit. We've gone through the dark. We've waited and waited and waited. We've linked arms with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Now the shoot has grown up and up and up toward the sunlight, and it's broken out of the soil. The thing is, new life always follows, period. A seed season brings new life. It is just a season. It is just a season. New life is going to follow if, we're, if we have chosen Christ. He's helping us. How do we know that? Because we can trust that our Lord and Savior will do what he says. Amen? Amen. His word is trustworthy. His promises are true. In our text, John 12, it said, you know, it will bear much fruit. And it went on to say, if anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. He will honor him. In Psalms 9, 12, and those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. We just sang about that. Not for a minute was I forsaken. Hebrews 10.23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Jesus, the light, brings us out of our seed season. We all know that plants aren't going to grow without light, right? It, it, that's, that seed has fallen off and it's done because the light now is providing photosynthesis, right? Jesus is the light. But listen to this. On the other side of your seed season, we get to be the light. We get to be the light. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Church, the greatest privilege that we have as a Christian is on the other side of our seed seasons. On the other side, we get to be the one with, we're linking arms, we're helping others develop their roots, we're telling them our story, and we're shining the light of Jesus. Knox says a prayer every morning on the way to school. He says this, Dear Jesus, help me have a good day. Have fun with friends, learn a lot, and be your light. Be your light. That last one is the most important part of the prayer. I want my son to have a great day. I want my son to have a lot of fun with his friends. I want him to make friends. And I want him to learn a lot. Right? But the most important thing that he can pray before he goes to school is to be the light of Jesus. Worship team, if you want to come back. I'm just going to wrap this up real quick with a personal story. It's one of my seed seasons. I used to think that I didn't really have a testimony. I grew up with a pastor as a grandpa. You know, my church, they, I was in church probably the week after I was born. You know, grew up in church. Didn't really have um, problems with straying or, you know, rebellion so I, was, I, just, I don't really have a testimony. You know, God, I, I guess I can just say God's been good to me. Well, it doesn't matter how old you are. You're going to have a seed season of some sorts. Most of the time you can't tell till you get on the other side. But this was one of mine. 
I graduated from college in December of 2008. Wow, that sounds like a long time ago, now that I say it out loud. Um, when, when I got out of college, I realized my degree didn't offer a whole lot where I was living. And so I started substitute teaching. And I can't believe I did that because I never wanted to go to school again, like ever. I've finally graduated, never wanted to go to school again. But that's what was available, so I started substitute teaching. I ended up falling in love with it, which I just couldn't believe it. In a small town outside of where I grew up my whole life, they, they needed an elementary music teacher, and so they hired me. I did not have an education degree, had a performance degree. They said, we'll pay for your schooling or your test if you will come work for us. So I did. No curriculum. They said, just figure it out, you know, day by day. So I'm telling you, for one year, I had pre-K. They're tiny. They're so tiny. Pre-K through fifth graders, every 20 minutes, rotating in and out of my classroom. It was a blast. I had the most fun of my entire life. Even though I was terrified of little, little kids, like super scared of little kids, I had the most fun. It shocked me. God rocked my world. The following summer, so I got to do that for one year, Austin got hired to be a youth pastor. It was his first youth pastoring job. We had to move across the state. I'm from northwestern Oklahoma, and we got moved to Verdigris, northeastern, right? I had to move away from the job that I surprisingly fell in love with, and when we got to Verdigris, there were no teaching jobs anywhere at all. It's kind of a niche market, right? So it was about three years that I didn't get to work in the field that I went to college for, that I loved, and that I surprisingly liked teaching. So here we go. It's the beginning of a seed season. God blessed me. He gave me the opportunity to worship where we were. I actually did a voice and piano studio like I do now. So I was doing something, right? But let's be truthful. When you're not making the income that you were, that's going to bother you, right? I mean, dramatically, dramatically dropped. So in this process, a very good friend, she asked if I would like to clean houses with her. I jumped at the opportunity. I, I mean, I'm, cleaning is fun, sure. But the friend that asked me is just so much fun to be around. And she definitely had the light of Jesus in her life. And I just wanted to be around her. Plus, it was going to help us with a little bit of income. So I jumped at this opportunity. From this, she got an, uh, an offer to go clean a house that she couldn't fit into her schedule. She was just too busy. So she asked if I would want to go do it alone. Sure. So I go and I meet a gentleman named Mac and his wife. Um, he was actually related to a lady that went to our church, but he didn't go to church. It was her dad. He did not go. And their, their house was not big, but they had gotten to a point. They were a little bit older. He, he, they just couldn't take care of it, so they needed help. I went once or twice a month. I built a little bit of relationship with them. But honestly, when I came, they left. They gave me the space. I cleaned their house. They jetted out. Didn't, didn't really have that big of a relationship with them. So he eventually, he said, I probably need to come visit you sometime at church, don't I? It sounds like it's going really good. And I said, yeah, that would be great. You know, I never pushed it. I wasn't sneaky about it, you know, you know, talking about church. But God was working. God was working. The bottom line is, because I was willing to be buried for a little bit, I submitted to that, to that journey, to that plan, Mac, at 70-something years old, he got to go to church for the first time. 
He was saved for the first time. He owned his first Bible. He was baptized in water shortly before he passed away. 70 years old. 70 years old. God knows what he's doing. Even if we can't see it, God knows what he's doing. If I had tried to do things on my own, if I pursued some teaching jobs, if I had worked anywhere that would take me, I might not have ever met Mac, and Mac might not have ever met Jesus. So sometimes your seed season might not be for new life inside of you. It might be for new life inside of somebody else. It's going to bring life. It's going to bring life no matter what.